Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord? Why call ye me Lord, Lord? Someone say, Lord, Lord. You're going to remember that for later. See, this parable was preached about Sunday, and it's also found in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. And it's a parallel parable is the parable of the five virgins that had oil and five that didn't. So why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever cometh to me and heareth, someone say hears. Heareth my sayings and doeth, someone say does. And does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built his house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and didn't do it, he is likened unto a man without a foundation. And he built his house on the earth. And against which the stream did beat vehemently. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. See, if we stand against the storms of life, if we have any chance to be ready for eternity, we must dig deep until we hit rock and build on that foundation. And the foundation that you and I build our lives on is Jesus Christ and the infallible, inerrant word of God, the fundamental teachings of the apostles. So before we elevate, we must excavate. We must dig. Look to your neighbor and say, it's time to dig. You may be seated. God wants to build some things in Atlanta West, and I love the trajectory that he's put us on, the moves of God and the freedom and worship that we've been feeling over the last couple of months in this year, and it's been incredible. It's been crazy awesome. But before he ever elevates, he has to excavate. So these two men who both built this house, but only one stood because it was built on a foundation. The wise man dug deep until he hit a rock. We don't know how long that took or what that process was like, but he just did it until he found a foundation, until he found something firm that he could build his life on. And the ending of the other man who didn't build his house on a foundation is tragic because when the flood came, his home and everything else inside of it was destroyed. What really impacted me on Sunday while pastor was preaching was the truth that both men had a house. Look to your neighbor and say they both had a house. See, I used to imagine the unwise man or the foolish man, as uh, Matthew says, as this evil, lazy person that's just sitting on the couch. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to dig. I don't want to do the work to to get to a foundation. I'm just going to build. But as I started to read it a little bit more, there's another possibility. Because he built the house just like the man next to him. They both had a house. So maybe in his mind, he thought it was good enough. Sometimes like we are in our walk with God or where we are in life, we think it's just good enough. Jim Collins says, good is the enemy of great. But he took the time to build the house, so shouldn't he get some credit? It is standing. You know, his family's living there. It's comfortable. He's taken care of. He, he should get a little bit of credit for that. It seems like he should until the flood came. The walls in the house might have been impressively painted, yet without deep foundations, they were incredibly flimsy and insecure. And it doesn't matter that the house was built because it was ultimately destroyed. Brother Jury did an incredible job last Wednesday of talking about neglecting spiritual disciplines. And just like in the physical, if we do not exercise, then we ultimately, it will cost us our health. If you and I lay in bed for 24 hours every single day, then our body will eventually decay and break down. And the same is true in the spiritual. If we don't exercise by things like praying, fasting, studying the Bible, then we will be sick spiritually, and ultimately, we will die 
spiritually. See, what doesn't make sense is if I want to get in shape or want to get muscle, I don't just go to the gym only on one day for one workout. I must have a consistent exercise life. And so spiritual means are, spiritual disciplines are the means and they're not the end. The end is a relationship with God. They're not a checklist, but instead it's a way to be more like him. And as Pastor preached this past Sunday, this story declares the essentiality of us digging deep and getting a foundation. So digging means practicing spiritual disciplines. What we're talking about when we say dig and get to that foundation that we're built on, it's that, it's that daily prayer, it's that fasting weekly, that routine fasting, it's reading your word, it's all those spiritual disciplines like the word of God says. Paul told Timothy to ensure he is digging and he has a life built on a foundation in 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. If you want to be approved to God, you must have diligence. You must be intentional, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Hymenius and Phyllis are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth. These two men have strayed. They weren't diligent. They didn't rightly divide the word of truth. And so now they're backsliders. They're away from God. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having his seal. The Lord knows whose are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You're going to remember that part too, departing from iniquity, because the Lord knows who are his. Hymenius and Philetus strayed from truth because they didn't have a foundation. And they were like the foolish man from our parable in Luke chapter 6 because they didn't build their life the right way. Ultimately, they were astray from God. And Hebrews 12, 27 says, Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and the only thing left is something that is unshakable. So we must make sure that we get a foundation. Someone say a foundation. See, it's pretty simple. Everything I've said is just kind of a review of the last two sermons we've heard. Everybody knows since Sunday school, uh, read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. We all know that we hear it since Sunday school, but yet it is difficult to fulfill. Am I, am I telling the truth? Okay, Sean, you're back there laughing because I'm singing, okay? I see you back there even if you're darker from your vacation. I'm going to sing it again. Read your Bible and pray every day. And that's what we know from children, but yet it is true. We, we don't always practice it. Too often we view these spiritual disciplines as duties and we lose sight of our relationship with God. For example, we can view prayer as a divine summon instead of a divine invitation to walk and talk with God. And this misunderstanding makes us pray to the assassin named Neglect, thank you, Brother Jury, whose chief weapon is distraction. Someone say distraction. See, distraction can be devastating. Therefore, Stephen Covey explains the antidote to time distractions. We have to decide what our highest priorities are and have the courage to say no to other things. And the way we do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. And the bigger yes is the disciplines that come from clear direction that we want to know Jesus and be conformed to him, which is being like God. We have to learn to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to having a deeper relationship with Jesus. But it's hard to say no, because in our world, there are way too many voices going on. Have you ever went to a friend's house and you're driving down the street and you're looking at the houses and you're trying to figure out whose house it is and you see these little bitty numbers and you're just kind of going down the road and the music's blasting really loud, so it's, it's kind of getting on your nerves. You're trying to look and you're like, 67, 
Hey, turn that down real quick. I can't see. I know. Turn the music down because I can't see. And it's distracting because there's so much noise going on. And that's how it is in our walk with God. There's so many distractions. There's so much noise that it causes our focus to be off of God and on the things in this world. And so what we must do is turn down the dial on life. Get rid of some of the distractions so we can focus on our relationship with God. So that we have time to pray. So that we have time to fast. So that we have time to read his word. We got to get rid of the noise. Get rid of the distractions so we can know Jesus we got to get rid of the dirt of distraction. Look to your neighbor and say, dirt of distraction. Distraction is defined by something that diverts our minds and hearts from what is most significant. That's why the authors of Hebrews 12.1 says, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, that entangles us, that slows us down from running the race for Jesus Christ. And so it might not always be a sin, it might just be a weight, something that's distracting me from running after God. And we have to make sure we're not like the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23 that had a form of godliness, but they never had a foundation. We can't afford to be like Hymenaeus and Philetus and not have a foundation. We have to get rid of the dirt of distractions. See, the more scarce something is, the more valuable it is. Gold and diamonds are more expensive than rocks because there is a scarcity of gold and diamonds. And time is something valuable because it is scarce. That's why James wrote that our life is but a vapor. Proverbs 27.1 teaches us not to boast about tomorrow because we don't know what each day holds or each day will bring us. And there's that old saying, time lost can never be found again. I remember I was going to a friend's birthday party in Savannah, and I, I got off of work at JCPenney's pretty late at probably like 10 or 11. We was driving to Savannah, and I was half asleep, me and my friend Brandon Walker and all of a sudden, the tire blew out, and so we was going to put the spare on and then get it changed when we got to Savannah the next day. But what happened was in the midst of being sleepy and changing the tire and the highway, and it's 2 in the morning, we threw the flat tire, the one that messed up, and we threw it off and then just put the spare on and went to Savannah. So you guys that don't know what that means is the next day when we went to this tire shop and we said, hey, can you put a tire on? They said, well, where's the rim? What you mean the rim? The metal part that the rubber goes around. Oh, man. So we had to drive an hour and a half almost being late to the birthday party because we had to go back and steal it before the lawnmowers chopped it down because time loss can never be found again. Time is precious. My friend and I one time stayed up all night when I was in high school trying to play Super Mario's, the original one. We was going to beat the whole thing, and it was about 6 or 7 in the morning, and we just got too tired, so we was like, you know what, let's just finish it tomorrow. Let's get a few hours of sleep. Let's focus. Bowser is kicking our tail. We can't beat him tonight, so let's just do it tomorrow. So the next day when we woke up, we plugged it in, and we cut it on. We forgot to save it. It's sad when you spend so much time in something, and time feels like it's wasted. You ever play with the kid and you have those Legos or those big building blocks and you build in this tower and you're actually focusing on it and you're trying to do something spectacular, build the Taj Mahal or the Eiffel Tower or something. And then a little kid like Godzilla comes by and, ha, 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 and me. I just spent so much time on it and now it's wasted because time lost can never be found again. Time is precious. And too many people view Time, like juice, something that we can go in the refrigerator, we can get a little bit out, or we can get a, a lot out, however much we want, we can put it back in there, and it'll be there for us later. 
But in reality, time is like an hourglass. It never stops. It constantly flows. And yet, at the end of eternity, you cannot turn the hourglass over and start over because we only have one life. And so time is so important. That's why we must prepare for eternity because there will be no second chances once we cross eternity's timeless threshold. And since it could be any day when our preparation for eternity will be over, we must use our time wisely. And it's hard to serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength when we're diverted, distracted, and multitasking everything. According to a survey by Tom and Art Rayner, 44% of people say that their current pace of life will likely lead to health problems because they're too busy. So we have to decide what our highest priority is and have the courage to say no to other things. And the way that we do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. And the yes is that we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if anything is getting between us and God, it has to go. See, the devil is a time thief. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's throwing items and things at us that distract us and ultimately waste our time. And we want to com complicate our lives and be busy. We don't have to. But we want to because it's a sense of drivenness, especially in America. Read Ordering Your Private World. Paul urges this in Ephesians 5.16 that we should redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time because you don't know when you're going to get it back. Matthew 24, verse 42, Matthew told us to watch, therefore, because you do not know the hour when the Lord is coming. So we must always have a sense of urgency because Christ is coming back. And we don't want to be distracted by anything in this world. We don't want to have too much noise going on that we can't see God. There is too much dirt of distractions in our life, and it's time to dig deep so we can get to the foundation. We must organize our lives around our priorities. We must ask ourselves, what are my priorities? Am I distracted? Do I truly have a foundation? We have to decide what our highest priorities are and have the courage to say no to other things. And the way we do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside that we want to have a relationship with God. Someone look to your neighbor and say, dirt of distractions. So let's take a look at where we spend our time as they're bringing this out to help me. Thank you guys so much. Where do we spend our time? So I'm going to get these illustrations, and yes, I didn't count every single one, but I weighed it. It took me about three hours today, and uh, so there's a lot of M&Ms. In a year, there's 8,760 hours, okay? So if you don't preach with me, if you don't come and run the aisles, when we have the altar call, I'm going to make sure all the kids get these and go home with you, okay? Well, someone's about to shout on that right there because they're nervous. I, I walked in as they're setting up. I walked in, and some of the kids was like, how many M&Ms are those? Can I have them? I was like, come see me after church. Sorry, Brother Drew, Sister Holly, they are, your kid is one of them. <laughs> so let's go through this a little bit. Uh, AWPC Wednesday Nighters, that's you guys, the faithful few, the proud, the AWPC Wednesday Nighters. And more than likely, you guys are serving on Sundays, so if, if roughly you guys come to church about six hours a week. So if there are 50 weeks a year that you come to church to for vacation, there are 300 hours that you're at church. 300 hours that you're at church. That's impressive. But what is daunting is where is the rest of our time spent? Americans spend 2,912 hours sleeping 
And that's 33% of the year. I don't know where these statistics come from. I don't get that much sleep. It must be coming from babies. That's a lot of sleep. 33% of our year is spent sleeping. It makes sense if you get eight hours of sleep. We spent 1,459 hours working last year, which is about 14% of our year. See, these are necessities. You have to work. You have to sleep, hopefully. Students in Georgia spent about 1,230 hours in school, which is 14% of the year. Americans spent 5.82 of the year eating, which is 509 hours. Now, I know that was not an apostolic statistic because we spend way more eating. So it's some secular people that don't eat enough. I don't know what. They, they sleep too much and they need to eat more. 343 hours last year was spent on vacations. That's good. Priority is family, so you need to spend time with your family. Then driving, which I hate this because there's no car big enough for me, so I always feel like a giraffe and a shoebox. We were in the car for 293 hours last year. Now, if you're talking Atlanta, then I just need to pour this size bucket back into this size bucket because Atlanta traffic's miserable. If anybody's watching online, there's no room to move here in Atlanta. Just stay where you're at. Don't come. We're full, okay? No vacancy. We spent 156 hours cleaning. Now, I know for some of you parents, it's probably double than that, but I don't make as much of a mess, so only 156 hours on average cleaning. That's 1.78 a year. 155 hours were spent exercising. Once again, this isn't an apostolic statistic, okay? <laughs> we should have added that to eating because that's what we do instead of exercise, right? <laughs> Americans spend eight times more on watching TV and on social media than they do exercising. Gluttony is a sin as well. So is not taking care of your temple, physically making sure that you're healthy. Americans spend 102 hours romance, date night, buying flowers in love. <laughs> Make sure all that's in there. Weekly date nights. Tom and Art Rayner found that 84% of married people admitted that they spend too little time with their spouse. 84% of people. Besides just distracted from God, we're distracted in our marriages. We're distracted in our homes. We spent 144 hours socializing, spending time with people. Once again, that's not apostolic because we probably hang out a lot more than that. So all these are essential. Remember, if you don't preach with me after I get done with this, all the kids are getting these, and they will be crazy. They're going home with you. And this is probably one of my favorite ones because, you know, you, you got to go into the throne room sometimes. Sometimes you just got to get away from the world. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 74 hours last year in the bathroom. <laughs> and that doesn't include how many times the males, you know, we were in there a lot more. We got magazines and we just, you know, that's our hangout spot. It took women 109 hours last year to get ready. It only took men... 82 hours. Babe, I'm waiting on you. Uh, who said that's not true? That's, I, I went to 10 sources. So the average is 94, 95 hours getting ready. 95 hours getting ready. This one shocked me. On average in America, people spent 1,261 hours on TV 
and social media. See, when I went to Bible college, I made a, a conscious decision. I won a free monitor from a raffle drawing in high school during my basketball uh, team, and I had video games and all that stuff, and I decided when I went to Bible college that none of that's going with me because I want to make sure I focus on the first few years of my formation in ministry, and I want to focus on God. And I've, com- I've continued that commitment, not having cable. And I'm not necessarily preaching against that. We align to what Brother John's and what the Bible says. But what I am saying is we, as Americans, spend way too much time watching TV and on social media, and we're so distracted, and we wonder where is the power. Study shows that we check our smartphones about 81,500 times each year, or once every 4.3 minutes. That means you've already checked your iPhone four times in the length that I would be preaching right now. Tony Rank surveyed 8,000 Christians, maybe not apostolics, but Christians, people who profess God as their Lord of all, asking whether they are more likely to check email and social media before or after spiritual disciplines on a typical morning. 73% of Christians said they checked their emails and their social media first. The philosophy is, I think, therefore I am. It's been replaced with this digital motto, I connect, therefore I am, leading to a status desire, I am liked, therefore I am. And so I'm calling for the children of God. Let's get away from all the junk. Let's get away from the distractions. Let's restore and recover the glory of God. And the only way that's going to happen is if we don't spend this much time checking Facebook every time and we get our face in the book. If we don't sit there and look how many people are following us on Instagram and we say how many people are following Jesus Christ. If we stop worrying about every little tweet and all the other things that are going on in news and politics and all this stuff that's distracting us from eternity. Christians, I'm calling for us, including me. We got to get serious. We are spending way too much time being distracted instead of digging deep to get to our foundation. This isn't essential, so I'm not going to pour it in here. But all this is, and this bucket is pretty full, and that doesn't include time trying to fall asleep, time cooking, or anything else that we do on a regular basis. So what's left? What is left? 937 hours a year is left after all of this. If you average that out, that's two minutes and 30 seconds every single day. And how foolish is it that we think that two minutes and 30 seconds is enough time to focus on anything? Anything. Not just God. There are too many distractions. Marriages are being destroyed because husbands and wives are distracted. Kids are growing up becoming biblically illiterate because there's no devotion in their homes. Services are stale because there is a lack of consecration and dedication at home. People are backsliding because they aren't rooted and their lives are ultimately destroyed. Ministries are not growing because they are being neglected and distracted. Sinful cycles are being repeated because there is no digging. There has to be more prayer in my life. I have to fast more, even more when I see the day approaching. It's time to dig past the dirt of distractions. We have to dig past the surface and get a relationship at home. Catch what I just said. We have to dig past service and get a relationship at home. 
It's not just a Wednesday and a Sunday, and I applaud you so much. This is wonderful. But what we must start doing is we must start getting some of this into this pot. We must start getting some of this into this pot. We must start getting social media and TV time and news and a talk radio while you're driving and all these other things into this jar. If we're ever going to survive living for God, ultimately people are going to be lost in eternity because they're trying to build their house on two minutes and 30 seconds a day. Hot pocket meal. We can't have a house without a strong foundation. We can build a house and it looks nice on the outside. But ultimately, without a foundation, it will cost our eternity. So we have to be diligent to be approved of God. It is essential that we dig deep past the dirt of distractions and get to the foundation. We have to decide what our highest priorities are and have the courage to say no to other things. And the way we do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside that we want to know Jesus Christ. Second Timothy, be diligent to present yourself Approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, this mark, this promise, the Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. See, as I was studying for this message, trying to get any meat left on the bones that Pastor John's and Brother Jury didn't preach yet. I started reading the surrounding scriptures around this parable to understand the context of what's really going on. And when I read the parable in the book of Matthew, the three verses before it stood out to me, and I found a common theme from Luke's account when Jesus declared in Luke 6, 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And the three verses before found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Then Jesus says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, these people sang those old psalms. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory. Hallelujah. When we see our blessed Savior in the sky. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. These people had a house. They did it in God's name, the name of Jesus. They casted out devils. They did many wonderful works. They healed in his name. They had a house. But when the flood of eternity came, Jesus looked and said, you have no foundation. You have accolades. You're involved in ministry. You go to church. But look how much distraction is in your life. There's too much dirt. You never got to a foundation, so now eternity is wiped away. So tonight, let's make a commitment to build on the foundation. 
Let's be intentional and spend what's left. Spend what's left in a relationship with God. Let's get rid of some stuff. How about for one day a week we put down the phone and we don't even go on any social media. Let's start going on social media fast. Let's cut back some subscriptions and get rid of stuff. Let's set some time and some parameters. It's very practical. Let's get away from all this and let's start putting it in the Jesus jar. Because if we have too many distractions, we're going to be found like the men from Matthew chapter 7. We can have all the accolades. I'm evangelism pastor. You know, I serve on the prayer team, baptism team, Bible study team, nursing home team. I, I preach out. I, I went to Bible college. I'm getting my master's. Oh, I know I know, Brother Daryl Johns, a pastor of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. My best friend married Brother, uh, Brother Menard's daughter. I, I'm a, you know, God knows me. We're good. And then I get to heaven. And he says, you got a lot of accolades. And the house looks good. The walls are painted nice. All the furniture is really nice. But when the storm of eternity comes, there's no foundation in my life. God forbid So what we must do, what I'm calling us to do is get rid of the dirt of distractions. I'm calling for a person that is so distracted by being busy that they don't pray. I'm inviting you to be a part of the most exciting and important part of your day, talking and listening to Jesus Christ. Calling for the person that has spiritual disciplines, but they're so distracted that praying is just a task. Reading the Bible is just a checklist. But it's really not about knowing Jesus Christ, the God who came down from heaven and died for my sins. I'm inviting you to remember, come back to your first love. Come back. I'm calling for the person that is properly exercising their spiritual gifts. Dig deeper. Because the bigger and the higher your building is going to be, the deeper your foundation have to be. So if you're going to elevate even higher in Christ, What we must do is excavate and dig even deeper and get a firm foundation. So Atlanta West, it's time to dig. I'm calling AWPC to a commitment of no longer being distracted by the noise of life, so much so that we can't even focus on what God is trying to do in our life. So distracted by the culture and the garbage that's going on. We spend so much time on that. That the only time we really even talk to God is six hours a week at church and bless this food. God, lay me down to sleep. God forbid that that's the extent of our prayer life. We want a full-time God, but we want to be part-time Christians in our walk with God. And enough is enough. So let's dig deep past the dirt of distraction and build this house on the rock. Can you close your eyes with me? I want you to search your heart as I'm going to search mine. Where are we spending our time? Very practical. Very practical. Where are we spending our time? And parents, I commend you. I have a sister with kids. I commend you. So much of your time is involved in your children, and that's incredible. And I, I, I applaud you, and I honor you so much. People who work more than 40 hours a week, I applaud you taking care and providing for your family. People who drive an hour plus to go to work, you know, that's awesome if that's what you have to do. People that sleep eight hours a day, great job taking care of yourself. 
being healthy, people that socialize, people that go to the gym and exercise regularly, great job. I commend you on that. But what about the 937 hours? What are we going to do with that time? Would you start to pray with me right now? I want you to search your heart. We have plenty of time in the altar. But what I want us to really do is just focus and make a practical commitment to God. God, I'm going to start fasting phone time. God, I'm not going to just continue to binge in Netflix and Hulu. I want to binge in your word of God. I want to open up these pages and realize that this is eternity speaking to me. That the God that spoke the, the sun, the moon, and the stars to come into existence wrote this book for me so I can have a relationship with them. That when I talk, that God, you're listening, that you care, that you want me to cast all of my cares on you because you love me. God, I want to be excited about being in a relationship with you. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to have so many distractions, so much noise in my life that I neglect marriage, that I neglect friendships, that I neglect the things that really matter. In Jesus' name, would you all stand with me? I want someone to answer this question. It might even be rhetorical. What is something that you came into today that will be in eternity? What is something that you interacted with? Is it the foods you ate? Is it your car, your job, your clothes? What's going to last till eternity? The only thing that's going to last is our soul and others. And so what we must do is as Americans, some of this stuff we have to do. But what I'm concerned about is what's left and all the other garbage that really doesn't help our walk with God. And it's time to get serious because he's coming back. And when the clouds split open, I want to make sure that I'm in a right relationship with God. That I can't say, look at all I've done. And God says, where have you been spending your time? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So my time, my heart is in Facebook and Instagram or is it in Jesus Christ? Is it in news and politics or is it in Jesus Christ? Is it in things that don't matter? Wait. Wait and sin that slows me down or is it in Jesus?